This is Susan Eisenberg, and you are listening to The Great Big Beautiful Podcast. After Alan Couch encouraged the idea that I write, was uh, David Levithan, an editor at Scholastic, phoned me up and, and said, "Alan Couch highly recommends you. Would you be interested in working on a series of role-playing game books with stories?" And I said, "I've never played. I've never played a role-playing game." And he said, "Don't worry, we'll send you a template." <laughs> Here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors. This is the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at the GBB Podcast. You can also find us in any podcast, downloading app, website, streaming service. How are you doing today, Jamie? <laughs> I'm doing awesome. How are you doing, Justin? I am doing wonderful. And before we just click record here, we were saying we haven't talked to anyone within the star wars realm and it seems like it's been a while but i don't i don't i didn't even go back it, to look yes so i don't know <laughs> somebody who, who you know yeah we haven't had like a star wars centric episode in a long time at least somebody who's really rooted in it but uh yeah so it's it's good to be back with star wars right it is well and we're ramping up for the you know, the next movies coming out and you know it's so time. Soon. Just, i'm so excited and you did you get to see the trailer? That's my first question because I know the other times you were talking about maybe wanting to hold off on watching it. So did you cave? Did you do it? Uh, yeah, I never held off on watching it. I yeah, of oh. course. <laughs> 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 I watched it the second. I don't have live TV, so I wasn't watching whatever it right. was the, f- football, the football, baseball, game. whatever it was yeah. on. Um, football game. So, but I mean, it hit YouTube like three seconds later. So I watched it there. Um, I will say that I feel like a terrible father because I ha- my kids haven't seen it yet. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I have to rectify that tonight. But uh, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, I, who really was going to watch that trailer and be like, meh, it looks all right. I guess yeah. maybe I'll see it when it comes out on Blu-ray. Like, right? Like, Luke's who are they trying to yeah. win over at this point? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, maybe I want to see what's up with Luke. I don't, yeah. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's... It's got to be weird for the people working in marketing because it's like everybody who's going to see it is going to see it. Like, it doesn't matter how right. awful the trailers are. They could not put out a trailer and those people would still go see it. And mm-hmm. anybody who's like mildly interested in it, I don't know if they're going to be won over by the trailer. You know what I mean? So it's like it's got to be really strange because this is like there's not many movies that are guaranteed people are going to go see it. Star Wars is a guaranteed people are going to go see it. So um, it feels like it's less about telling what the story is going to be and more about being just like, this is going to be cool. Here here you go. And I think they did a lot of misdirect in that trailer, too. I think that they made they're making us think that there's things that are going to happen that aren't really even close to happening. So Mm -hmm. I I figured (laughs) veer away from veer away from spoilers in case anybody listening has not watched it. So 
That's true. That's true. We don't want to ruin it for anyone. So why don't we talk about who we are interviewing today? So today we're talking to Ryder Wyndham. Um, The name might be familiar if you've read Star Wars at all over the past like 20 years. He has written, what did he say? Something like 70 Star Wars books. He lost count and he hasn't. He hasn't bothered to go back and, and, and add them up, but 70 books within the Star Wars universe, um, some fiction, some nonfiction, some reference, some game books, some technical manuals. Um, he's written some comics. He uh, He's basically written everything. He uh, What I thought was really interesting, though, is how he got a start, because I he was an editor at Dark Horse Comics when they had the Star Wars mm-hmm. license. Um, and he wasn't writing. And then it was after he left that position that he sort of literally just kind of like fell into writing. Somebody was like, hey, you should try right. this and, and gave him a job. And then it just sort of went <laughs> from there, which is not the usual story that people have. <laughs> no, exactly. Like you usually hear, well, I've always wanted to be a writer since I was a kid and I went into school for it. And no, nope. <laughs> not with him. Yeah, he's a graphic designer and he was working as an editor. So, and then like he just ended up. Oh, sure. I'll write 70 Star Wars books. You know, it's just like that doesn't happen to people. (laughs) So we're going to go play that interview for you right now. His story is awesome. And, you know, just to get a glimpse in behind his work and how he creates. It's a lot of fun. So here you go. Ryder, thank you so much for taking the time to to join us today. It's uh, awesome to have you. Thank you, Jamie. It's good to be here. Uh, I wanted to start off with something that uh, I was I found really interesting when I was uh, reading up on you is that you never intended to become a writer and that it kind of just grew out of an experience editing the Dark Horse comics and through the people you knew. Is that true? That's totally true. I uh, my my background was I studied graphic design and illustration in college. I worked as a designer and a freelance cartoonist, uh, and in 1990, I wound up um, applying for a job as a comic book editor with Fantagraphics. Mm-hmm. I got the job, um, and about a year and a half later, I had a job offer from Dark Horse Comics to edit there. Uh, and one of my first assignments was Young Indiana Jones Chronicles comic book adaptations. Right which led to uh, uh, Lucasfilm asking to uh, have me develop a new droids comic book series. So it was essentially my foot in the door was by way of editing comic books. And I I left Dark Horse on good terms in 1995. And it was a friend at my my main contact at Lucasfilm was Alan Kausch, who handled publishing um, comic books, uh, uh, scripts. He was the editor there. And, he, and also juvenile fiction. And he said, um, hey, have you thought maybe you should write books and I could recommend you to uh, to our licensees. So I became a writer through circumstances and complete nepotism. It was fortunate. And, and that I mean, at the, at the time, I didn't know where it was going to lead, but that uh, I mean, I, I think some degree of, you know, what being in the right place at the right time certainly had a, a lot to do with work, getting work. But it was, I mean, within a couple of years, I guess, I, I just thought, wow, I think I'm into this freelance writing thing. It's yeah, kept going. Yeah. So, but yeah, there were, there was no career plan at all. Did you, I did mean, you, 
did you have experience with, I mean, obviously you were, you were an editor, so you had experience working with words and you knew your way around a sentence, but I mean, did you have experience writing or like, were those first projects sort of like trial by fire for you? Um, completely trial by fire. I, I, I mean, I, like I said, I studied graphic design and illustration yeah. whenever in college, anytime I had opportunity to take, uh, um, electives, I always took English classes because I enjoyed them. I thought they were fun. Yeah. Um, I never thought, Oh, I want to be a writer. I enjoyed reading. And, uh, so it's, um, no, I, I mean, my experience was more as a reader than a writer. Uh, and, um, so, uh, so, but, but even though, I mean, one of the first, one of the first freelance assignments, um, that I got after Alan Couch encouraged the idea that I write was uh, David Levithan, an editor at Scholastic, phoned me up and, and said, um, would you be interested, well, he said, Alan Couch highly recommends you, would you be interested in working on a series of role-playing game books with stories? And I said, I've never, play I've never played a role-playing game. And he said, don't worry, we'll send you a template. <laughs> And so, 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 so I, I mean, somehow it was just because I thought, well, I have a deadline and I have an assignment, so I guess I'd better write a story to make this thing work. And so, uh, no, there, there, I, I would never say I was a frustrated writer. It was more like I, I approached writing as more like problem solving. It was something, right. you know, I, something I needed to learn how to do on the spot. Yeah. So unless the internet is lying to us, you've now written more than 70 Star Wars books. Is that right? I stopped counting after 50, <laughs> but it's, but it's like at some point, I mean, I, I, I did see a list and I counted off and uh, it looks like it's, it's I, I believe that is accurate. Yeah. Wow. So have you ever, honestly, have you just forgotten any of the stories you've written? Like when you're writing new ones, have you ever started writing it and you're like, oh man, I've done this one before. <laughs> um, story. It's, it's, uh, yes. You know, over the course of 20 years where, where people will say, hey, did, uh, I mean, just recently someone wrote to me and said, oh, I was reading this, this, uh, I don't know. I can't remember. It was, it was one of the, the adventure game books and, and, mm -hmm. and oh, it was a, a fellow who, he put together a glossary of Gungan terms. And he, <laughs> he, 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 I mean, it was just, he's a fan, and he, but, he, right. he, but he, he developed, uh, uh, it's the Gungan Translator. You can find it online. It's completely unauthorized, unauthorized, but it's great fun. But he wrote to me, and he, he had questions. He, because he, said, he said, I read an old interview with you that you wrote this Gungan glossary when you were working on assignments for episode one. And I wrote back and said, yeah, it's absolutely true. I did that for my own sanity so that I wasn't, you know, I, I could make some consistent effort right. to do it. But I'd complete, I mean, he was asking me questions about specific word choices. I couldn't, <laughs> you know, I, I had to look up my own books to say, yeah, I guess I did. I, made that. <laughs> I guess I did write that down. <laughs> I mean, there's got to be a time when you get an assignment and you sit down and you start writing a story and you're like, man, this sounds familiar. I, did, did, did I write this already? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how did the uh, the Stormtroopers book, which is which is the newest book that you've written, um, yes. how did that come about? Um, several years ago, I wrote another book titled The Complete Vader, and uh, Becker and Mayer was the book... Uh, packager that developed the project and, and hired me for that and then they after they 
it, that it's, it was in, the complete Vader was a nonfiction coffee table book of everything you ever wanted to know about Darth Vader as far as the development of uh, the character, concept sketches, uh, the making of the armor, the helmet, co uh, costume, uh, appearances in movies, etc. So I, I co-authored that book with Pete Vilmer, and he focused on the uh, collectibles and merchandise. And uh, so I, it was in uh, 2015 um, uh, that uh, Becker and Mayer editor Delia Grieve contacted me and asked if I'd be interested in working on something of a follow-up, which for the uh, a stormtrooper book and. Um, and this time, uh, Adam Bray was, was brought in to, to co-author the book. Mm -hmm. And, um, the, uh, so, so yeah, as far, I mean, it, I, I got, I got the assignment because I'm, I'm sure because of my experience on the complete Vader. Vader. So how did you and Adam divide up the work? Were you, were you each responsible for separate parts? Yes, we were. I, I mean, and, and at the outset, um, what I proposed was that I would write, the uh, uh, the early or the, the initial chapters of the book um, because I, I thought that would be uh, an easier way to prevent overlapping information. Um, and, and also, to be honest, I'm very fond of, of the early work I'm, and I'm familiar with it um, that uh, uh, I wanted to write about um, Ralph McQuarrie and his uh, his concept art and his contributions and and uh, uh, and also um, about the uh, sculptor Brian Muir who made the uh, the original armor for uh, sculpted the armor for the stormtrooper. So when um, Adam and I, I mean, once we sorted out who was going to which work on which parts. There, we didn't have a lot of back and forth about, you know, it's like, well, hey, how are you coming along? I mean, we just, we, we focused on our respective chapters. Right. Um, but uh, no, but I, it's, it was, it was, um, we, and Adam and I had collaborated similarly on a book for DK publishing called Ultimate Star Wars. Yeah. So that, I mean, we, 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 we knew we were compatible. Uh, we, it would work. So yeah, that's that, important. <laughs> I mean, do you, I mean, I guess that's good knowing it's good to know going into the project that you have either have a similar style or can write to mm -hmm. a similar style. So if you're right. not if you're not going to have that constant communication that, you know, you're making the editor's job easier afterwards. So it's it reads like you guys were just working together the entire way. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's it's funny. I mean, you mentioned uh, about, you know, or asked me about my plan on becoming a writer. Yeah. And where uh, I mean, it, one thing that I have learned is that I mean, when an editor contacts me and says, "Would you be interested in, in writing this?" and typically, I, I mean, I consider the assignment. I also consider the deadline, um, the fee that's offered. Yeah, um, yeah. You, know, you know, just a, a lot of things to consider. But uh, with um, uh, you know, in th th this case, it's like I never studied journalism in college. So that, you know, the, the difference between, hey, can you write a role-playing game book with a fiction story, <laughs> or can you write a, uh, you know, a non-fiction book about the history of stormtroopers? And, and you just sort of, you, it's, you, I, I think, um, what, my, if I have one pretty good quality as a writer, it's that 
I'm objective about what is the assignment, who is this for? When people pick up a book about stormtroopers, I mean, they, they want information. They don't want to hear my voice necessarily. Mm. I, don't, I don't think so. I mean, when I, when I pick up a coffee table book and I, and I think like, oh, you know, that, that writer seems to be expressing his opinion about something <laughs> where it's like making this personal insight. And I, I just think, you know, there's something, you know, to try to, the effort is to present information uh, in an entertaining way and an engaging way, making people, and also making people, uh, Star Wars fans appreciate that, you know, the, the, the stormtroopers don't just appear on screen fully formed as if that were the plan. There's just, uh, um, you know, a lot of people were involved to, 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 to bring the stormtroopers onto the screen. Yeah. So, I, so I, I mean, I enjoyed working on it. I enjoyed interviewing subjects about their work, their contributions to the stormtroopers. Did you get to dive into the Lucasfilm archives for research or were you on your own for research? <laughs> I, uh, had no access. I, I mean, I, I, I live in Rhode Island and okay. I did not, so I, I, I don't, I haven't been to, um, uh, uh, the, yeah, the archives in, in a long time, but I have an extensive library of images and including mm -hmm. some unpublished ones. And so I, I was able to, uh, uh, recommend and suggest specific images for certain sections of the book. And, uh, Delia Grieve, the editor of the Stormtrooper book, she did have access to the archives and she went and scoped all those things out. So, mm -hmm. I mean, she, she was able to dig up images that I guess had, I mean, for, for, from as I understand, have, you know, in some cases never been put, published before. However, because I, I may have seen them before. <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't know. That was never published? Okay. <laughs> Since you didn't have that, access i mean there's more in the archives than just images so you know yes. when when you were writing about or or planning to write about you know the history of the you know how how the concepts came to be or how you know how the different people that worked on that i mean what what did what was your go-to resource on that just your library of books that you have or the internet or what did you do it was it was largely um books but it was also contacts that i've made i mean when i had uh I mean, I, I knew, similar to the, the complete Vader, that as far as, you know, where do you start? You start with George Lucas wrote a screenplay and a, had a story, and he, in, in, what, hired Ralph McQuarrie to do some concepts. And you, so, you, I mean, you, you started there. Yeah. But then when I had questions about the, uh, the Stormtrooper armor, I, I met Brian Muir, at a, uh, the, the, the sculptor, a few years ago, and um, he's, a, he's a wonderful guy. And I just I wrote and said, can you clarify, you know, why, what did you do here and why and when did this happen? And he, and he would tell me, I mean, just by way of email or, or over the phone, he'd say, here's what I did. No, I didn't do that. I don't know who did that. Yeah. So it, it was, uh, um, I, you know, it, it's fortunate that I had... A, that connection with him that he could he could clarify information. Do you have I, I gotta ask since you've now done a book about stormtroopers, do you have a favorite or a preferred stormtrooper design? Um you know it's funny. I, I've uh it's sort of this goes back to when I was a kid, really, but that I, I always thought this the sand troopers were really interesting. Mm -hmm. There were, and I, I think it was just uh the fact that um, 
say that, you know, it, it seemed like the stormtroopers on the Death Star, I mean, they're so clean and shiny mm-hmm. and uh, that, uh, you know, it's, it's, and it's, it's a beautiful costume. It really, it's, it's it just, you know, and it, it immediately, it, it engages you wonder like, who's, who's under that helmet? Right. Is, but there was something about the sand troopers where, I mean, I, I think it's just that, the, you know, they're out there, they're, they're getting dirty They're um, you, you get the sense that, uh, you know, they're they're not just what on endless patrols on a on this large ship, or you know, standing in numbers to look impressive. That I mean, that that, that they're out there and they're you know they're they're doing this job. They're on a mission, and I I guess that there was something. Um, yeah, I just I like those costumes. I mean, I like uh, maybe it was because I thought, well, if I ever owned one a costume i wouldn't mind getting the sand trooper costume dirty because that's part of it <laughs> it's supposed right? to be dirty right yeah but with the you know the, I, somehow having a, a suit of you know really clean stormtrooper armor that's a responsibility that's <laughs> that's, that's that's a lot of maintenance it's too much i don't want that kind of responsibility right. <laughs> um you've written like we said you've written a lot of books in star wars and elsewhere about what percentage would you say of the books that you write are assigned to you versus the result of an idea that you pitch uh i would say nearly it's about that's easy nearly all of them are assignments i can only think of off the top of my head i can think of three projects that were my pitches. I mean, out of out of those 80 some odd or without 70 books yeah. or what, yeah. I, whatever the number, I mean, it's like I, I there, there are uh, um, there was a uh, Clone Wars, the secret uh, Clone Wars secret missions for Grosset and Dunlap, uh, the adventures in hyperspace for Scholastic and uh, the short, very short comic book story. Thank the maker. All of those originated with me. Um, as far as just like I, I had an idea for something. I contacted the editor and said, "Would you consider doing something like this?" Uh, and it's it's not that I'm short on ideas for things. It's also that I mean, in, in each one of those cases too, though, I'd been talking with editors and knew that they were looking for material. I knew that they were, they'd sort of they'd come out to me like, "Hey, you know, we're trying to." Do something for you know readers of this age or this market. Something to exploit the popularity of the Clone Wars TV series. Do you have any ideas for that? <laughs> say, well, yeah, let, let me let me think about that because so so it's I um, I mean I, I would but it, but it wasn't say like a um, they didn't come to me with an assignment that said like specifically of you know we want you to do a story about Han Solo and Chewbacca and it's directed to this market. I mean, I, I came up with these, you know, the, the concepts from them just start, but so, uh, but, but even, yeah, the, the uh, Lucasfilm, I mean, ever since I was, I mean, editing Star Wars comics, I mean, it was my policy as a comic book editor. People came to me and said, oh, I've got a great idea for a Star Wars story. I'd say, fine, please keep it to yourself because <laughs> I, I, you know, if if uh, if someone were to even tell me their idea, and then subsequently find out that, oh, Dark Horse was publishing something similar, yeah. mm-hmm. then they would they say, "You stole my idea." The best way to prevent that is to never see or read or hear anybody's ideas. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so I mean, relatively too, it's just that I mean, my mom. Um, 
you know, when when ed editors uh, now, I mean, they know, you know, they, I mean, they typically will what they know. It's like I will do juvenile fiction, nonfiction, um, gift books, game books, whatever, whatever, whatever they have. I, I I can work on it, but yeah, most of the most of the assignments, uh, the great majority, it's all strictly assignments. Huh. So when you get that assignment and you know you're set loose, how much freedom do you have in the writing? Like, are you are you able to contribute? You know, with, with Star Wars, a big thing is quote unquote canon. You know, like what's official, what's not. Like, are, are you are you free to tell the story that you want, or, or how much are your hands tied, or is it just depend on the project? It it absolutely depends on the project, and it. Uh, you know, obviously for a nonfiction book like Stormtroopers, you, you might say, like, why would I, you know, I certainly can't invent <laughs> information about it. But as far as do I have, um, you know, is it, you know, my choices about certain images or things that could be selected? Yes. I, I mean, I, I mean, looking at the book, one of the things that, that comes to mind as, as what I, I think maybe. I don't, a semi-significant contribution on my part is that uh, there's, um, I, I wrote about the early jewelry that was manufactured in, uh, I mean, just sort of like collectible mm -hmm. uh, jewelry where it's stor stormtrooper earrings and a net or a pendant necklace. And that uh, initially, I, I, when I was working on that, section of the book and just i was curious about early merchandise and then started thinking you know because it's well known that the star wars uh, kenner's action figures didn't hit the shelves until 1978 mm -hmm. but i but I, but i was really curious like who sculpted the first mm -hmm. you know stormtrooper merchandise and, and what surprised me was to find out that it was produced by um a company in rhode island and mm -hmm. that i spent the better part of three hours one day on the phone trying to contact, <laughs> you know, like saying like, is this, you know, the there's a company still in business, but yeah. as far as does anybody who worked there have any idea what I'm talking about? No, I mean, this is, <laughs> all, this is all over 40 years ago. So yeah. they, they don't, they have no recollection of it. And, but, but still it was just, there's, there are photos in the book of, of uh, the, the, this, the merchandise where I thought, um, yeah, I had, I had a choice because I thought this was, I, to me, it was historically interesting, mm -hmm. not, not so much the Rhode Island connection, that was selfishly interesting because I lived here, but, but that it was just the idea that, um, you know, I, I never, I, I, I regret that I never did find out who was the sculptor of that merchandise. I mean, I know the name of the, or it's in the book, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but the name of the company that, um, uh, manufactured and distributed the, the jewelry, uh, but that uh, still, you know, somebody had to, to create that. And I, I, I wished I had that information. Um, so, so anyway, yeah, it's, it's um, you know, with some books, if, if, you know, I have leeway about, uh, you know, if it's, if it's a, a fiction story, for example, sure, I could have a lot of leeway about developing uh, maybe characters or dialogue or situations and but that it, it is always with some respect of how is this going to fit in with the rest of the star wars universe or mm -hmm. uh, um one thing i mean if, if if you go through the uh the star wars comics and and 
novels, juvenile novels and whatnot that I've worked on, almost every single time that I create a character, I also kill that character. <laughs> um, and or or destroy the character or and <laughs> it's uh it's it's not something it's not because I have this uh what knee jerk reaction or like but but I, it's it's more it, it's uh, it's not that I enjoy killing off Star Wars characters <laughs> that I create part of it is just to sort of like uh, what you know if you create a character and um, what it, it, sometimes it, you know it, it'll help with the dramatic aspects of the story to you know to to emphasize to readers oh this isn't just like a you know a happy-go-lucky adventure there's like lives are at stake yeah. I guess and but it, it's also for me it's maybe about um, you know continuity control if I develop something and I destroy it I might think, um, uh, oh, you know, odds are uh, nobody else will get to play with this. This one was mine. Right. Um, but uh, and I'll, I'll digress on this point. One of the first characters I ever created was uh, C-3PX, who was a, uh, a protocol droid that had been converted into an assassin droid. And he appeared in uh, one of the, the, the early droids. That was the droids comic- miniseries, right? Yeah, that's God, right. I, I remember the cover of that one very vividly. <laughs> we, well, I, I mean, the, the cover was by Killian Plunkett, and Dan Thorsland was the uh, the co-editor of that series. And when we conceived droids, we sat uh, Dan and I sat down, and we we decided what the covers should be like. We're just just entirely based on what would make us pick up a copy of a of a droids comic book. And I and I said. If we have C-3PO and he looks like the Terminator and yeah. he's holding this enormous ray gun or something, I said I think I would want to pick up that comic. So, um, so I anyway, I but I, I created the character C-3PX and it was uh, oh gosh, I don't know, maybe just several ten years ago or so that Hasbro finally got around to producing a, a C-3PX action figure, which. <laughs> nice. Amused me very much. Just thinking, like, oh yeah, so, so someone, somebody out there liked it. I uh, but I mean, just but anyway. But even with yeah, C three PX, it was a. I, I thought um, it wasn't just. I didn't want to. I didn't want to kill him. But I thought it would be a good dramatic exit for that character to just introduce him and let him go. Yeah. But uh, it's interesting because when you talk about continuity, I think you have a very unique perspective on it you know as the editor at dark horse you had a very strong hand in what was considered canon what was con- you know you worked i'm sure there was a lot of crossover with the books um to make sure that you weren't stepping on toes or telling the same stories um and that was all pre-disney obviously pre-story group and now you're still writing in the universe post-story group so i mean i think that that perspective on both sides is, is unique and i'm just wondering if you see like, what are the biggest differences you see between the two times? Um, I see uh, actually no difference because, really? yeah, it's the, I mean, the, the difference is that when, uh, I mean, you know, I, I, I mean, Canon used to be, I mean, before Disney bought Lucasfilm, before the distinction of Canon and Legend, uh, there was the, um, you know, I, I, the way Lucasfilm kind of looked at it was that, or their approach was, okay, 
the movies, I guess, are canon. Anything that happens in the movies that George Lucas put his stamp on, yeah, that's that's what they maybe considered canon. Everything else was the expanded universe, but they wanted um, sort of continuity to stick. They wanted it to mesh. But uh, when I was working on Dark Horse Comics, Lucasfilm said, uh, oh, you know, those comics that Marvel published in the 70s and early 80s, just forget about those. Ignore them. That's, you know, we want, we want you to produce new comics, new, th- new stories. And so they weren't, I mean, it's not like they were entirely dismissing those things. Dark Horse wound up reprinting a lot of these things, but but even there, it was with the, sort of the distinction that uh, they were reprinted as classic Star yeah. Wars. Yeah. And so, um, you know, the, the, some fans will get outraged when they <laughs> see some continuity. What they see is like, that's not, that didn't happen in the comic, that happened... <laughs> Or, or you know, this, this, that's that's all wrong. And you know, my, I I always thought the differences between things made the respective projects interesting. You know, because they they weren't always errors. Uh, if you read, uh, um, oh gosh, like the, the very first comic book adaptation of Star Wars, where uh, uh, you know it features a an alien biped Jabba the Hutt. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not because the artist made a mistake. It's because at the time, Lucasfilm authorized that. They said, yeah, we're not, he's not going to appear in the movie. You can yeah. do it. Yeah, you can, you can do this. So, um, so anyway, uh, but I'll, I'll give you an example of how, to me, it just, there's no difference. The last Star Wars juvenile novel that I worked on uh, was... Um, a prequel for Star Wars Rebels, and I might be screwing up the year here. I think it was 2014 or so. I was hired to, to work on that, and uh, Lucasfilm did have Story Group at that time. And I mean, but it, it came to me as an assignment. You know, would you be in? You know, can you write a Star Wars or a prequel novel for right. Star Wars Rebels? Mm-hmm. And I. Um, uh, it was after I delivered the manuscript. It was a few months later that Disney Lucasfilm announced that certain stories would now be considered um, legends mm-hmm. and others be canon. And that when I wrote the Star Wars Rebels book, I didn't. I had no awareness of that at all. To me, I mean, it was just sort of like I wrote an assignment. I, I, wrote, I wrote a story. Um, I delivered it. They accepted it. Um, my long-winded point on this is that I see legends and canon are as purely branding at yeah. this point, where it's like it's an op. It's it does does one mean quality? No, you know it's 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 just it's about uh, contemporary what continuity or previously published continuity. Right. I mean it's just it's so it's it's uh um so yeah there's not I, I don't see any. I don't see any. The only difference I see between working with yeah, what? You're, well, you're not going to get an assignment, I guess. It's like, hey, do you want to work on a Legends story? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> less likely, but uh, <laughs> who knows? Maybe maybe, maybe, maybe they'll, they'll start doing spin-off stuff again. Maybe one day they'll get back to that. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask you about 
an editor's role in comics. Um, I think it's something that a lot of people probably don't quite understand. You know, when you talk about comics, writer, artist, colorist, letterer, those are all pretty clear. I'm an editor in, the, in my day job, you know, but I'm more of a copy editor, development editor. So that's something that I think that you do a lot less of in editing, in comics. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, what would you say you did on a daily basis? What were the like, comics editors? What do they do? I spent many, many hours on the phone. <laughs> this was back in, in, in the, this when I when I worked, it was pre um we, we uh, uh, just when I left Dark Horse, or shortly before I left Dark Horse, I think they they, they had just set up inner office email, but we did not. I mean, th- this this was I left in 1995, so that's, that that's about I right. Spent, so as far as like what did I do, I spent a lot of time on the phone because at any given time, I was typically working. Say, uh, I mean, as you mentioned, it's like there's. Uh, what writers, pencilers, inkers, letterers, colorists, cover artists. Okay, that's you know I guess what six people maybe yeah. right there. Yeah. And at any given time, I was working on maybe at least six different titles, or and so juggling maybe and so maybe I was working with a couple of writers or, or you know people at the same time, but still. It's like uh, it was, you know, the the uh, for the work that I did, I was coordinating a lot of work to make sure that it would get into the uh, production department on time, so the comics would ship. As far as what does a comic book editor do, beyond you know, like getting the stuff in, it's um, I was a very hands-on editor. I I would. Uh, um, when I had the opportunity, I would develop storylines and, uh, it wasn't out of being a frustrated writer. It was because as an editor and I would have access to, um, uh, one of, one of my first assignments was aliens comics. And when I realized that I was just reviewing other aliens titles and titles that were about to ship and aliens at the time did not have a managing editor. Mm-hmm. I realized there were three different stories, all of which involved scientists conducting secret experiments on aliens in outer space, where and there's a male and a female character, two couple of characters who are investigating the scientist in this top secret lab. Three different stories, which essentially had the same plot, mm-hmm. and so when with developing. Um, Star Wars stuff. I mean, I was just trying to figure out how can we do things that are substantially different. That uh, uh, so I, I would I would work on that. I would do sketches of covers sometimes just to clear because uh, I realized it's like wait we've got these three covers in a row and it's just like some guy holding a lightsaber and the light <laughs> the tip of the and that like, I mean I realized I, I developed weird pet peeves like. Uh, you know, if you see a lightsaber, someone, uh, a Jedi or a Sith Lord is holding a lightsaber and the beam of the lightsaber is going off the edge of the cover. It seems like, well, how long is that thing? Is it a flashlight? Is it, <laughs> or is that, I mean, you know, you know, it's a lightsaber, but if it's a close up and I remember, the, I, mean, I think it was the Tales of the Jedi series where there were three consecutive covers. And it wasn't until I just looked at them all in a row and it's like, you know, I think we need to get some wide shots. <laughs> nothing says lightsaber more than being able to see the end of that thing. It's like this really, it's, it's, it looks better. 
So, uh, um, but ultimately the job of a comic book, my, or like the way I approach being a comic book editor is that I was, uh, uh, I'm invisible. If, if, uh, if anybody picks up a comic book that I edit, edited and said, this was a really well edited comic book. <laughs> I've never, this is the best edited comic book I've ever read. You never hear that though. You never do. And it's, it's like, okay, but if, if, if they, if the editing calls attention to itself, yeah. um, then, you know, then that's when you realize, uh, 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 I mean, a point I, I've, um, I've made it, uh, I mean, I, the best way I can sum up, like, you know, what does an editor do or hope to avoid, I guess. I, I, I tell people, if you've ever read a comic book and you're looking at it and thinking, uh, oh, I, I read this, I must have read the speech balloons in the wrong order because right. I just read the answer, but the question came here. Oh, my mistake. I read them in the wrong order. Okay. I think not only it's not your mistake. I think that you should be angry and you should demand your money back. It's like, I mean, as far as how passionately I feel about, yeah. you know, and, and it's the, the, now the challenging aspect is because, I mean, if you are working with freelancers who are in different locations, mm. the writer, the penciler, uh, the letterer are, are, you know, they're not working in the same studio. They could, or the, the, the Typically, they're not working. They're all in different, you know, it could be in different states. So it's up to the editor to try to, you know, be the sort of the anchor to, you know, to make sure everything goes together. I used to routinely ask, or, you know, I'd, 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 uh, I would rewrite dialogue or replace balloons or have uh, the product, production department adjust images and my concern was about the flow of the reading as well as everything else about you know the, the narrative flow so that I, it's like some some i knew some editors who were more concerned about typos i was really con i mean i was sure concerned about typos but i was really concerned about you know could the could the average reader pick this up and enjoy it and make sure they read the speech balloons in the order that they were intended yep. or if they looked at the characters and like wait what is, is that the back of somebody's head or is that <laughs> a rock? You know, it's like trying to make, make it visually clear. Yeah. Um, and, but the, I mean, but the best way, the best way an editor can what, uh, make it easy for everybody is to hire people who know what they're doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm, so, sure. um, so there, so I've, I've said way more than you probably wanted to know about editing. <laughs> I, no, you're, you're talking to an editor, so you're speaking okay. my language. I love it. Um, okay. But, you know, I, I think that's something that a lot of modern comics do really well, and it probably is very, it's thanks to the editor that, you know, it, they flow, and you know where, your eye knows where to go. Um, right. One of the things that drove me crazy, which I still continues to drive you crazy, is like when you go back and you read a lot of the comics, like from the 70s to the 80s, and they just have the little arrows pointing between the yes. panels so it, it's telling sure. you where to go and i guess it's helpful if you don't know how to read a comic but right. when those arrows point to places that you wouldn't naturally go like there's an arrow yeah. coming from the top right corner down to the bottom like bottom left and then turns back up again it's like why, why would you even do that you know <laughs> yeah well it's it's funny you know there, there's like uh, the 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 few exceptions where i'll make on for for something like you know directions like that would be um uh, Chris Ware, who, who, uh, I mean, he, he, what, uh, um, a writer artist who, I mean, just, just a, an amazing talent. And 
but he, I mean, he's writing and drawing his own stories. And if he chooses to put some graphic design elements in there yeah. to what uh, to, you know, um, visually, it's like, you know, when, when he uses them, I don't see, I mean, they're, it's somehow they, they're, they're almost in, more instructional as opposed to what they're, they typically are, which is a desperation device, which <laughs> is of, of like, oh my gosh, how am I going to make sure the reader gets to, from here to there? And, uh, all, you know, all the, like, Jack Cole's Plastic Man comics. If I right. see an arrow in, you know, a comic from the 19... But, but you know, it's funny, you're right. I was just going to say, like, if I, if I see something in the like the late 30s or early 40s and there's an arrow, maybe it's because comics at that time, it was sort of, you know, still um, what the language was developing still yeah. on some level. But, yeah, when you, you know, by the 70s, you, you think, shouldn't they have figured this out? You know? <laughs> It's you know, and it's funny like beyond arrows and like a, a um, uh, captions, captions with omniscient narration. Meanwhile, yeah. back at the Death Star, where I mean, I I would routinely get rid of stuff like that because I, I just thought there's got to be another way that we can communicate this through dialogue or just an establishing shot or yeah. something. Yeah. But but yeah, when you because when when you when you, when I read a caption like that. It immediately yanks me out of the story and makes me realize I'm reading this contrived thing, I guess, that it, or that their no, artists were at work and they did not know how else to communicate or that, you know, the writer said, like, said they, they thought, oh, you know, we, we need to spell this out so readers will understand. And it's like, well, yeah, but you're also just reminding me that it's, you know, that you're making decisions and I want to be absorbed in the story more than, uh, um, yeah, having having it spelled out that way. Yeah. The, the Marvel Star Wars, the old ones from the 70s and 80s, that, they're filled with that. You know, if you go oh, back yeah. and read them now, that's that's half the story are just captions. Yeah, and and on some level, you know, it, you know, to be fair, it's again like looking at older stuff versus you know whatever I, you know when when I was working on, um, uh, I don't know, you know, for the for the five years that I or so that I worked on comic books, I get it was just sort of my decision where I thought there you know there's I I, I just I really thought. You know, I, I can't remember ever using a com like allowing a caption to have happen without I, I'd be reluctant and I could or I couldn't keep a straight face about it. <laughs> it seemed like this is so desperate. Um, but uh, yeah, but but, uh, you know, depending on the comic, you know, does it always rankle me? It just depends on the comic. Um, yeah. You know, if I Uncle Scrooge, Carl uh, Barks, the duck comics. You know, I just love reading those. I, I, I um, uh, if um, I, I occasionally I'll teach night classes at Rhode Island School of Design continuing education uh, classes on writing and drawing comics, and and I tell students at the outset. I said, I said, like you know, if, if you if you want to know how to like how to do it right, I said, just you know, look at Carl Barks's Duck comics, look at Erge's Tin Tin, yeah. And you see, it's like when you read them, you it's like you very rarely question what's going on in that panel or which, which should I, oh, I was supposed to read this balloon. I mean, it's like everything is very strictly left to right, top to bottom, you know, the flow of it. And, and I, and I but, but I say, if everyone, uh, what, produced comics the way I think it's like the easiest, I suppose they'd be pretty dull. <laughs> <laughs> to yeah. be fair, on some level, they you know they they the flow would be great, but I but I guess yeah the, you know I'm not 
but you know poster layouts nah i i, I can't do that <laughs> um let's so stormtroopers is nonfiction. Um, yes. You've done a lot of, you know, quote-unquote nonfiction. Some of them legitimately are nonfiction, like Stormtroopers, where you're talking about the history, the design, and the character. Others are sort of pseudo-nonfiction set in the Star Wars universe, you know, as if the characters and, and events were real. Um, but you've also written a lot of fiction, so I'm, it seems like both of them at this point probably come as easy as, one. you know, they're both easily, easily done for you. Um, but do you have a preference? Like, if, if you had two projects come to you at the same time, one was a fiction, one was more of a reference or a nonfiction book, would you choose one or the other? Um, you know, I, I think, again, it sort of depends on the assignment as far as uh, um, with a book like the Stormtrooper book that one of the considerations is... Uh, the amount of research that needs to go into it that I mean if, if that uh, I mean and something I'm very comfortable with you know talking with editors and it, it hasn't happened in a while but where editors will say like oh we're you know we're offering this amount of money and it's like it's so many words per page or, or you know whatever the word count is but I have to point out I said okay how many hours it takes me to write it is offset by how many hours of research and fact checking mm -hmm. and or conducting interviews or you know all that it's like you know so so that so um so uh how to put it my concern is uh not just the project itself but time and money realistic so that but i mean like i'm i'm, I'm working on a non-star wars uh book right now it's funny how I should have to clarify it. <laughs> a non-starter, but it's 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 a it's a novel that it will uh, serve as a tie-in for an upcoming uh, virtual reality game. And what is, I mean, when I when I started off the assignment, I thought this is great because it's like I, I have this story bible and I've got information about characters. And the client um, could not be more supportive and more trusting and encouraging and said, Ryder, just take this and run with it. And yet, I've, I mean, it's funny. I mean, because I, 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 working on this thing, the story is set in the future. And I find I've spent many hours that I did not expect where I'm just sort of, uh, you know, researching future techno or what uh Tech, developing technologies which could be used in the future and how that might shape the story. And it's not so much because I, I feel like, uh, um, oh, I, I feel some social responsibility <laughs> to, you know, to, to get this science fiction story right, but, but just thinking, you know, the, the effort to make it uh, you know, rooted in some kind of foundation of, like, of, uh, of reality to make it, I think, uh, yeah, just to give, to give it a stronger foundation. I'm, I'm, I've been doing a lot of research. So, uh, um, oh, I don't know. I, I think relatively, uh, um, you know, I, 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 I prefer, I do prefer working on fiction if only because of, I guess, I don't know. I, I think, uh, you know, writing an adventure story is uh can can be fun i mean it's just that the, there's something you know you, you get to like the characters yeah. you get to there's something there's something about the challenge of it that uh yeah i mean if i i 
uh, you know, given that I, I, I don't I don't ever mean to shrug off work. If somebody offers me a technical manual and and I think, yeah, this fits for my schedule as well as my I want to write that. <laughs> but but like if, if, if it came down to, I don't know, someone saying, uh, you know, you know, if you had to choose between this novel and this technical manual again it would depend on well you know what's involved what's going on but but it's like i, I would i would probably initially gravitate to the novel yeah and if it's not star wars you don't even need to kill the characters i well i i've, I've actually i've killed a bunch of but yeah <laughs> just it's, <laughs> it's, it's your thing now right it's, it's you can't get away from it <laughs> right it's kind of like yeah it's uh uh yeah well it's, it's funny i mean even um uh so this I mean this goes back some years and I, I can't remember which it was it was one of the scholastic um, episode one adventure stories and I, I recall with that one I wrote the story and there was a character that I killed off in Lucasfilm I, I and, and I can't even remember which character it was I mean it was kind of this it was a it was a fe- I know I remember it was a female character and that, but it like it was a Lucasfilm. I was surprised that I mean they, they came back and they said, you know, we really liked her, <laughs> and we think you know maybe there might be something more beyond this. I do know that nothing ever. I mean, I, I know that I reworked the ending of this one book so that the character lived. Did they do anything more with the character? No, they never did. But <laughs> it was uh, that that was you know I. I, I mean, they, and they, they presented a good case for it where I just thought, you know, and, and it was the client, but, uh, yeah. yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm, uh, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's easy to bring characters to life, but if you can bring them to life and then, you know, destroy them and make the reader care. Yeah, exactly. That's the crucial thing. It's like, but if, mm-hmm. and if the reader doesn't see it coming and if they're really upset with you because they like the character it's like well it, that it can serve a purpose for a drama but um oh well that's just now i sound diabolical i don't mean to <laughs> uh one last question and then we'll let you go with which character star wars or otherwise do you most identify jawas really yeah there was no hesitation yeah oh absolutely i i think that um there's something about uh uh i like to go to thrift stores uh there was a time and several years ago this really irks me in providence they have these new recycling bins whereas the old recycling bins i'd be walking my dog around the block and i'd see what my neighbors were throwing away in their recycling bins (laughs) And it wasn't unusual. I'd come home and my wife would say, where did you get that lamp? Yeah. I, said, oh, I found it. I found it around the block. And so, you know, I, I think that, uh, yeah, the, the idea of just, you know, these these little guys scrounging around the desert, picking things up, I can more easily identify with Jawas, I think, than any other characters. I mean, just for that, I can't, I can't say I identify with Jedi or Sith or space pirates or rebels or whatever, but can I identify with guys who pick up other people's junk <laughs> and put good use to it? Uh, I'm actually I'm sitting in a chair that I found across the street. <laughs> I love it. You're a scavenger. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. 
So I love it. Ryder, thank you so much for taking the time. This has just been amazing. I loved it. It was, it was fun for me, too. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jamie. I was thinking about, you know, just how he, it was almost like he fell into writing. And it just goes to show that you could be doing anything right now. Like, even you, Jamie, you could just be sitting there as a publisher, whatever you do with publishing. Whatever I do. All of a sudden you're a writing Star... Yeah, all of a sudden you're writing Star Wars books, and that's your new career. You know what I mean? Like, it's Well, I've got my fingers crossed. I've got my fingers crossed. I mean, we geeked out a little bit. He was speaking my language. I'm an editor. I'm not a comic book editor. I don't work for Dark Horse. I don't work with Star mm-hmm. Wars licenses. Um, but, uh, yeah, it gives... It gives a, I don't know if hope is the right word, but it's like, you know, editing can sometimes, I love it. I love my job, but it's sometimes creatively a little bit unfulfilling because you're, at the end of the day, you're working with somebody else's right. words and you're working with somebody else's projects and books mm-hmm. and it's not your name on the cover. You know, no matter how much work you put into it, how many, how much blood, sweat and tears you put into it, it's not yours. Um, so it's cool that he basically took that experience in publishing and with the license and with storytelling, you know, in general, and then turn that into, you know, a very, very good lucrative career. And like he was saying, nobody reads a book and is like, man, that who edited this book? Yeah. (laughs) I'm reading a Jamie Green here. (laughs) That's some top notch editing right there. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We didn't mention at the top, and I do want to mention that the new book, um, we, Obviously, we talked about it during the interview, but it's um, Stormtroopers Beyond the Armor. He co-authored it with Adam Bray, who was also on the show way back. Um, And uh, the book is beautiful. It's out from the the publisher's Harper Design. So it's like it's a design book and they go into the history and the the creation of the Stormtroopers from a conceptual perspective point of view and then how they are all designed and then how they fit into the um the universe and they talk about not just the movies but the films and the television and the animation and the merchandising and everything and it's just the photos and the art that they've included in this book is really great um and i'm I'm actually have the book right here what's really cool is that on the inside the back cover they've got like an envelope um like glued into the back cover and they've included some like reproduction stuff. So if you open up the envelope, you can pull out these papers. And one of them looks like a, like the original Kenner action figure card back. So it's like it's a reproduction mm-hmm. of the card back. They've got a reproduction of like some comic strips from the newspapers that have the stormtroopers, a storyboard. Um, did you ever remember the C-3PO's? Cereal? No, I don't. I, I don't think we probably had that. Oh yeah, you're in Canada. So they had the cereal back in the '80s when Star Wars was <laughs> was huge, and they right. had, it was C-3PO cereal, just like they have like movie cereals now. And on the back, gotcha. they had like a cutout yeah. mask, like you could like it was like a C-3PO and a stormtrooper, and, oh, okay. and it was like a mask you could cut out and then play with. So they've yeah. got a reproduction of one of those. Um, so it's like that kind of stuff. Like I, I'm really a sucker for. So it's like there's a lot of cool production quality in this book. So definitely check it out. It's a it's a really really gorgeous gorgeous book. So yeah, definitely go check that book out. It'll probably be some links in the mm-hmm. I don't know if there'll be some there links, will be I'm some links to, the, be to links. where you can buy it. I am Justin at 140 Justin. Yeah, I am Jamie at the Roarbots. And we are the Great Big Beautiful Podcast at the GBB Podcast. There's a lot of Twitter handles, but go follow them all. And we will see you next time. Take care. <laughs>